0: It's Jesus who said this. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The truth of the matter is this broken world that we live in still bears the curse of sin, the consequences, the results of sin. And Scripture helps us understand that that includes death. And the fact of the matter is is that when Adam and Eve made a mistake, it brought a breach, a Brokenness to their relationship with God. To whom? Abba Father, Daddy God, who had come down and would walk in the garden with them, who would talk with them, who would listen to them, who had personal relationship with them. When they sinned, when they made a mistake, it brought a breach into that relationship. But God was not satisfied with that, right? He brought through the sacrifice of the death of an animal, A way for there to be forgiveness of their sin and a covering to their shame. And personally, I prefer clothing. So that was a good idea. It was God who, who, who brought away. And in the same way through Jesus, it is, hey, listen, your sins, your mistakes, and you know them better than anyone else besides God. They bring death with them. I mean, if we're honest, without Jesus, life doesn't really work. Right. If we don't come to that conclusion, we're delusional, we're proud, we're arrogant, right? And that's a different sin. One that carries a serious penalty. If we're honest, life without Jesus doesn't work. But through Jesus, we've got forgiveness. Not only forgiveness, but also freedom. And I just want to say... You have freedom in this church to chase God recklessly. You don't need to be limited to how we worshiped together last year. You hear me? When we gather 9, 30, 10 prayer, it's time for us to speak the prophetic word. It's time for us to pray over each other. It's time for us to call down miracles. It's time for us to chase God together with all we've got. You have freedom in this place. Right? We have freedom to expect more from God, to come to Him with anticipation. In the words as great is His faithfulness and His tender mercies, they are new every morning. This helps us to understand that if we want a life that is beyond what we currently have, we must turn to Make room for, Recognize the priority of the one true living God. I don't know about you, but I want to get to know the living God. What's He thinking? What's He feeling? Like, right now. I want this morning to awaken a curiosity within you. Do you know that Nobody tell me what happened in the football games. I haven't had time to watch anything. God knows, and I don't. What else? What? God? Do you? Scientists cannot explain why we laugh. Why the body? Physics can't explain how the bicycle works or how the bumblebee works. There's more to learn. I don't know, but I'm excited to see what the Webb Space Telescope brings back. Yeah. It's going to blow astronomy out of the wall, out of the cosmos. Thank you. <laughs> Shouldn't I? And listen, uh, um, in our network of churches, I'm known as a, a reader, and that might sound weird because I don't quote books in here a whole lot. But um, I am more curious about what God thinks than anyone else. I love you and I'm curious about what you think and I want to learn more about you, but I am more curious about what God thinks than anybody who tweets, posts, writes a book, is an editorialist on the New York Times. I am more. Do you realize that um, one week of the New York Times is more text than the New Testament? I want to know what God's thinking. God isn't alive. He is called the one true living God. What's he thinking about right now? What's he feeling? Uh, The the scripture reveals to us that he sings over us. The scientists just discovered that the whales around the world are actually singing in concert, in harmony with each other, the same song. What does God think about their song? This sounds better than my song. I, I want us to go into this month with a curiosity about the one true living personal God. Not not concerned about the number of minutes. Are you are you with me? Um, I thought about using a, a water example this morning, but it's kind of cold in here. So uh, imagine. With me, if you will, I have a glass in this hand uh, and and a pitcher in this hand. And let's say that the glass is empty, right? And the pitcher is full. I want to come to God like an empty glass to be filled with Him. But the reality is that life, I can get bitter or selfish or hurt or selfish and As a glass, I can come to God like this, upside down. And what happens if I pour the pitcher over the glass at that point? Boy, somebody'd be really upset about these floors, right? I my posture is important. And what can happen through life or through my own thoughts or through circumstances or through me taking in and consuming the thoughts of other people is I can come to God full. And so what happens when we pour into a glass that's full? It overflows. Now maybe slowly there's a mixture that occurs and some from the pitcher comes and mixes with what's in the glass. As your pastor, I'm coming to you right now and saying it's time for us to empty out God doesn't want you to live on yesterday. I mean, He's in your yesterday, but He doesn't want you to live on yesterday. Let's, it's time for us to empty out, get our posture right, and be ready to receive from Him. Doesn't that sound good? Because we know that if it's with God, we won't be disappointed. The Bible says that Jesus leads the church for its benefit. That's us. He leads us for our benefit. We have so much evidence in Scripture, in history, and in science that God wants to know us and that He wants us to get to know Him. I want to say to you today that the same God who spoke over the water wants to speak life into you. The same God who walked in the garden wants to walk with you. The same Jesus who offered new life, eternal life, is here, now, available to you. God has a word of life for you. God has a promise for you. God has prepared miracles for you. Can you receive that? Something that is beyond your imagination. He is the one who is able... To do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. I had a, fr- I had a friend once who said to me, "Ben, you're coming to God with a Dixie cup. <laughs> You've Got to come to God expecting more, asking more." I, I just I want to repeat that scripture again. It was the favorite scripture of a dear friend of ours. It is God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. That's why we turn to Him. So, that's why, as we want to do, and those of you who have seen it in print, if if you picked up the... I don't see the bulletin back there for some reason. It may be up there. But it was in the bulletin before, and I actually have some paper I'm going to put in your hands today. We do three weeks of a set time of prayer, and fasting a time for us to focus on God more than anything else. We call it first. And here's the text. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter six. I'm going to read Matthew chapter six, verses thirty-one through thirty-three. Matthew six, thirty-one through thirty-three. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. This is Jesus talking. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the Kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. Now let's unpack this a little bit first, okay? Now we understand righteously means in right relationship with. In right standing with. So in, in right relationship. You know, you know what it's like when, when, when you're good with somebody else and when you're not. Right? So that's what righteous means. In right relationship with God and with others. Okay? So we're supposed to live that way. But Jesus says this word, seek first. Most translations you get, seek first. And that, we, uh, Two, three years ago, we did a series on seven of the firsts that Jesus said. Seven times when Jesus used this word first. And in the street Greek that Jesus was speaking, he was using a word that meant first in order, first in value. So how many of you know that in your life, there are some things that are more valuable than others? Right? Okay. So Jesus is saying, seek first. These things are first. And what is he saying? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is described as righteousness, peace, and joy. Seek first the things of God. It's a very specific word. And it's it's one that we like to use to describe why we do this. Now I want to Expand our context a little bit so that we understand the, the context in which Jesus is saying this. So this is in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which, and remember, neither Jesus nor Matthew put the chapter numbers in there. Well what? We get the first, we get the first and maybe the most comprehensive description of the longer teaching of Jesus. And we started, last year we talked about the blessed, right? God blesses those who, so that's the, at the top. Right? So that's a, and so this is a continuous part of that uh, message, that teaching that Jesus gave. And in chapter 6, you'll see on the screen kind of one way that I've um, tried to help. Pull out from chapter six the larger themes. So Jesus, after the whole God blesses those who ta-da-da-da, right, with this benefit. Jesus starts with the satisfied customer, the benefits of serving God, the benefits of following God, the benefits of loving God. Jesus starts to get into a little bit more of the lifestyle, a little bit more of the decisions, and he's talking about how normal believers, average believers live, how normal believers follow God. And he has three phrases. When you give. And he was specifically talking about money. Uh, We have resources of time, energy, and money. He said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. There's a three phrases in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus, in his teaching, is talking about, hey, when you do those things. And what you see on the screen is also what we see in summary of what Jesus said about each of those things, is when you do those three things, it's not for show, he, he gives stories, what probably to them would have been humorous stories, of people that are hypocrites that only do it so that other people will notice them. Jesus is specifically saying, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, don't do it for show. Now, I'm not putting down anyone's church culture. I mean, I grew up in a church where we would walk forward to give our, our money, to put money in the basket, and we just have this little box in the back and it seems kind of pathetic compared to the way that I grew up. But one thing that I am glad about is that in our church, like we don't walk up and drop it in the box so somebody will notice us, right? So that's what Jesus is saying. It's not for show, but focus. Focus your spirit, focus what you're doing, Seek first and don't worry. The end of this chapter, Jesus like literally has like a Bobby McFerrin, Bob Marley kind of moment. Like don't worry about a thing because every little thing's going to be all right. That's what Jesus literally says. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's how chapter six ends. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, it's not for show. Focus, seek, and don't worry. And he also gives us this specific filter for what it means and why we do it. He says it's a private discipline and a personal interaction. That's what it's about. Now, in our church, we do a lot of public prayer. As I already mentioned, we don't make a big deal about public giving. We do, once a year in January, kind of make a a more public thing about this fasting thing, even though I personally, especially early on in serving God, like hated any public conversation about fasting. Um, Just, I didn't find it enjoyable. Um, what I love is that Jesus' teaching is very specific. He's saying when you do these things, it's a private discipline. Uh, what's a discipline? A discipline is when you make a choice to do something you don't want to do. Anyone not want to come this morning? I will just go ahead and raise my hand. Right? I could, my body was still on West Coast time. I could have stayed in bed. I would have loved you all the same. <laughs> Right? Discipline's when I make a choice to do something that maybe I don't want to do. It's a private discipline. And that's one one reason why we don't like, hey, I'm not printing out the giving records and let everybody know, hey, this look at how much this person gave. Oh, that'd be jacked up, right? That'd be wrong. It's a private discipline, right? It's a private discipline and the same with fasting. And it's also meant to be a personal interaction with God. When I give my money, and Rebecca and I, we give a chunk of money every month to this church and to other people that are in need. It's a personal discipline, but it's a personal interaction. For us, it is Saying, God, you've already given us, we can't outgive you. You've already given us your best, we choose with the first, with the very first. That's actually why Christians worship on Sunday morning, they thought of it as the first. We, I'm giving you the first, the beginning of my day, the very first, before the government can even get their hands on my money, I'm giving God some money first. I, and the point is that to us, it's important. To us, it's like, and when we fast, when we go without food to spend more time with God, it's because we love God. And we have found that life can have us already full and fasting helps us, right? right? Empty the cup and come to Him thirsty. Come to Him hungry. It's a private discipline. It's a personal interaction. It's so important for me to say, fasting which is going without food to get more of God making yourself more available to God than you are in an ordinary day does not cause God to forgive your sins does not cause God to heal your body does not earn any favor God doesn't love you more are you with me I just want to make sure we're on the good solid biblical theological ground here right we don't do it for that reason. You can't outgive God. He's already loved you with His best. He loved you with His best before you even turned to Him and woke up and realized how much you needed Him. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad for that. A couple of verses here about wholehearted devotion before we turn to prayer. Love with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's Jesus' words, by the way. What people call the first commandment. In other words, with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, love God with all you've got. And I'm here to tell you, it will not fail you. Try it. I dare you. Try it. Love God with everything you've got. He will not disappoint you. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 14 you keep your commandment. Excuse me, you keep your covenant and show your unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. See, uh, once a year or once a month or once a week spiritual discipline will help you get a check on are you loving God with wholehearted devotion? I know what I'm doing. This is Jeremiah 29:11, which a lot of you probably can quote, but you may not have read in its whole context. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. It's through the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. Turn to me now. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. Fasting is going without to make more room for God. I just heard somebody tell a story about when he and his little brother were living in a hot climate and uh, decided they were going to. Uh, their parents weren't going to give them a pool, so they decided to make one. And they dug a hole in the ground and put a tarp in it. And they're just describing how if you wanted to catch the rain, you had to get lower. If you want to catch the rain, you got to get lower. You got to bring yourself low, humble yourself before God, surrender to Him. Ask for His presence. Ask for His voice. There's a purpose to this. And here's, here's what I've found. When I have joined into a time of prayer and fasting at a church because the pastor was saying that we should do it, just because they were saying we should do it, it was miserable. What I have found is when I have participated because inside my heart it was personal and it meant something between me and God, there were still some miserable parts, but it was rewarding. <laughs> it was fulfilling. It was there was something amazing that came out of it. I, I, I want to tell you that I don't know how to do life without fasting. Um, I, I, I go through hard stuff. I have physical pain every day. Life hasn't been easy. I've had challenges this this week. We came home from a trip. Some great church meetings. Uh, with our network of churches out in Portland after the holidays with the family it was amazing. And there's about seven things that went wrong. And in the last 48 hours, there was half a dozen things that went wrong. And every, it seemed like every time I set something down, it fell down. And like, and because of some of the pain in my childhood, when things aren't perfect, I have like an over, I overreact. And and, and I have challenges. But most of you, I think, would kind of know me as a, a person who laughs pretty easily and who enjoys life. That laughter, that enjoyment would not be there without fasting. It, it's a part of who I am. I, I don't know, what I have found is when I go long periods of time without fasting, I get grouchy. Some we say, well, I get grouchy when I fast. Well, yeah, I do too, but, but what I have found, <laughs> what I have found is that a result of fasting is that I have more joy. My perspective gets adjusted. I get spiritually refreshed. There's a change. And what happens when we do it as a church is that the spiritual water level of the church, if we could follow that analogy, comes up. Yeah. This isn't a command. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to experiment with it if you've never tried it before for a meal, for an hour. For just, just try something beyond what you've done before. Uh, remember the definition of insanity, right? Trying the same thing and expecting different results. So let's not do the same thing you did last year. Let's try something new. Let's try something on a greater level. Something that's personally meaningful to you. It will make a difference. Well, here's what I've found the results are. My appetites start to change. My, whether that be a sin craving or my appetite for God, for the things of God. Uh, what I've found as a byproduct of fasting is that my appetites change. And my level of devotion, my wholehearted desire for God's presence and excitement to get to know Him changes. And I found that for me spiritually and even mentally and emotionally that it removes clutter. A lot of times what happens is it takes me a number of days of this to just pull out the junk that builds up over time. It removes clutter inside of me. And I have found an increased sensitivity to God in a good way and an increased sensitivity to others as a result of fasting. It's a great benefit. So in a moment we're gonna pray that here's some questions that I put on the email, put on the posts that I want you to personally, and please hear me, it's the same thing with how we talk about finances um, or prayer on a normal basis. This is between you and God. If you don't wanna participate in it, it's fine. It's between you and God. Keep coming to church, keep coming to small group, whatever. This is between you and God. But I'm asking that between you and God, you would ask these questions and allow him to speak to you. Is that okay? What What do I want to be focused on? What does God want me to be focused on? Why am I choosing to go without? If I'm going to participate in this um, for the next three weeks, why? Why am I doing this? It's helpful for you. Write it down. Write it down. Or thumb punch it into your phone, whatever. Why am I choosing to go without? What will I be praying about? Well, that's, a, man, this afternoon you can do this. Crank out a list. What, what are you going to pray about over the next three weeks? I wonder if in the next three weeks God answered every one of our prayers, who would get saved? Who would get delivered from addiction? Who would have a miraculous physical healing if God answered every one of our prayers? What are you going to pray about? What are the days and times will I, that you will be in prayer and Bible reading? Listen, if you don't schedule it, don't plan it. Not going to happen. Right? That was one side of what the story that Ben shared earlier. Plan it. Schedule it. When are you going to do it? Now, I have uh, for you, and I want to go ahead and hand them out now. <clears throat> Chris, will you help me with this, please? Let's see. So you can do uh, one to a family with this. Um, I don't think I'm going to have enough for every adult in the room. And these, all of this is also going to be available digitally. So if you are actually going to follow this um, on your phone digitally, um, you don't have to take a copy of this. But what what I've provided for you to try to just be a help is some stuff to read. And if I have your email address, shortly after church, you're going to receive an email to me with the, the first two pages with a description and with links to every day's reading. Okay, So I've given you kind of a description of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And what I've done is I've put up a post for every day of the 21 days. For every day of the 21 days, there's a post with something for you to read. And it's with a list of scriptures for you to read that are on a theme, on a topic that can help your prayer time. Now, you don't have to use this, but it might be a better shared experience in your conversations with other people. Um, I would strongly recommend that you, obviously the, the point of this is that you personally spend more time than you usually do in prayer. But also, hey, invite somebody over. Invite somebody over to your house or meet them somewhere at a coffee shop or restaurant somewhere. Pray together, okay? This is a time for us to pray more than we normally do. Does that make sense? So, and what you'll see in the email today too is a link for every day that you can click on. And in our social media, our Twitter and our Facebook and on our Google Plus page, you're going to see every day it will get posted at 7 a.m. That day's reading, which is in this handout and the links will be in your email address. You can read it right there on your smartphone. um, Every day's reading uh, to just kind of help you in your prayer time to have a theme. And you'll notice that today's reading, today's a post is about leaving your baggage behind. And there's some great scriptures, some great thoughts there to help us to leave our baggage behind. I do think even though God created the sun and the moon from which farmers created the lunar calendar, right? You, you realize that Jesus wasn't like, "Oh, it's April 15th, time to pay Caesar." No, God created the sun and the moon from which farmers created the lunar calendar, right? God still is into seasons. God did create the seasons. And it is helpful for us to have a seasonal check-in. And so it's helpful for us in certain seasons to check and say, am I carrying baggage I shouldn't be carrying? Time to drop it. Does that make sense? So that's today's reading. Today's reading is on um, leaving your baggage behind. What we see over and over in Scripture, and what even the early church did in the New Testament, for those of you that don't think the Old Testament's relevant, is they would gather for something they call a sacred assembly. This is that time for us. This is a time of sacred assembly, where we really, as a spiritual family, we focus on one thing. My friend, Pastor Mike Hennigan, his father passed away the day before yesterday, and we were on the phone. And when a family member passes away, it's a season when the family comes together and they're focused on one thing. It's really healthy for families to come together and focus on one thing every once in a while. It doesn't wipe out anyone's personal identity or personal expression or their likes or dislikes, right? We just had some family time and our daughter loves art and loves horses and she still, even in family time, she still had time to draw more horses and do more things, right? Gideon discovered that he loves hot tubs. Like, you know, everyone's got like, you know, you, you can, and he got, he got everybody. It was 18 degrees outside. He got everybody in the hot tub. Oh. Cardiovascular fitness. So you can have family time and still have your personal focus. Is that... that, Are you with me? Is that okay? So before Ben comes to lead us in prayer, I just want to put on the screen a prayer for us to read that we can use to just kind of help guide us into this season. Is that okay? Just focus on the screen just for a minute and then Ben's going to come lead us in prayer. God you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away the guilt of my sin through Jesus. This January 8th to the 28th, I'm going without fill in the blank. I am doing this because fill in the blank. I will be more focused on you than anything else. I choose to live for you. Please speak to me, God. Thank you. Now, just to be clear, what we are recommending is that for these 21 days, that you go without meats and sweets. Okay? You go without meats and sweets. Okay? Over this, it's, if there's anything sweet back there today, just enjoy it. Okay, <laughs> But after that, we're just going without, and I warned you over a month ago, so don't hate me. We're going to go without meats and sweets and then I do recommend and consult your doctor before you change your diet. But I do recommend whether it's a meal or a day or a number of days that you do a full fast, which is just water. Or maybe if you're new to this, maybe you go without food and drink just drink milk or juice. Okay, there's some uh, natural considerations and there's some writing about those natural considerations for you there. Uh, for me personally, what I do is I spend the the first week to slowly scale down, go vegetarian and go less and less food. And in the middle week, I go without food. And then in the third week, I slowly go back up in vegetarian and then in the volume of food so that by the end of the third week, my body is ready to be back with meats and sweets. I just recommend something like that as a natural consideration to help you avoid getting sick. I'm go down and then go up, okay? Uh, ben, will you please come lead us in prayer?